Welcome to the Press Conference Podcast, episode 62, Mixtape 22. Uh, my name's Dave and I'm here with my co-host Phil. How's it going, mate? Very good. Back for another mixtape. I feel like uh, this year is coming along pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, like we're almost at well, the end of Jan, so like a few episodes in the belt, a few more in the uh, in the pipeline and it's looking pretty good. I feel like we're much more on top of stuff this year. I feel like every other day we're talking about something podcast related. I think I've been annoying the hell out of you, but. <laughs> no, it's fine. I like to be organized. I feel like I'm being annoying about it too. So I got to right. leave it for a little bit and then we have our ebbs and flows, but like got a few, few weeks planned ahead. So, which is really nice. That's what I like to see. I feel like we're getting into that really chunky bit of the year that we've been talking about with uh, Feb. Obviously, with Taylor Swift coming up, and then all of a sudden, that rolls directly into like Hot Mulligan, uh, fucking New Bloom Fest, all the side shows. It's going to come really quick. Um, Blink. Did you say Blink? Well, fuck, Blink's in there too. Yeah, it's just fucked. Yeah. It's fucked. But Yeah, um, finally got my leave approved for that. So I guess we could maybe even make a segment in the, in the lead up to New Bloom Fest and kind of track how we're going and what we're excited for and kind of our plans for the weekend spicy yeah let's uh let's uh talk about that and uh get that going (laughs) yeah (laughs) big things coming (laughs) big things coming um anyways we got a pretty good guest on today uh or pretty cool guest should i say something a bit different for us um so if you can't tell by the heading we have steven from keymaker on today uh i've been following steven for a hot minute on the vinyl gram. Um, and when I saw that this came out, we were kind of talking about it and I thought, fuck, why don't you jump on? Uh, the hard thing was, as you might come, we talk about it a bit in the episode, but uh, Keymaker are two piece from Nova Scotia. So Canada. <laughs> uh, so it took a hot minute trying to figure out uh, when we could record and how we could do all that. But I'm glad that we had the chat because um, yeah, I think they're really cool. I'm stoked. I'm stoked we had this one. Yeah, it's a great release, and um, yeah, we love those chats. And yeah. Steve was a great dude. So thanks for your time, Steve. Again, it was uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, sweet. So let's uh, enough of this. Let's get into the actual chat. Uh, enjoy the mixtape, and we'll see you on the other side. So we are joined uh, by Steve from Keymaker, all the way over from Nova Scotia, Canada. How Woo! you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, lads. You know, I just. Well, I've got myself the old French vanilla and a muffin, and we are ready to go. Sweet. <laughs> Bright and early, baby. What time is it over there for you? It is exactly 7.12 a.m. Oh, yep. <laughs> I, I, I worked last night. I went came home, went right to bed, woke up. Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks so much for getting up early for us. We really appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on, so it is no worries whatsoever. Um. So you guys brought out your first EP late last year. So um, how's the reception been about it? Surprisingly, pretty good. I mean, you know, for a new band, you don't expect people to really care, not to sound nihilistic or anything, but, you know, it, where there's such a, a slew of other bands and there's so much talent out there, you know, you were you kind of get worried, like, oh, is it going to get overshadowed? Are people kind of going to look over it? But no, like, I mean, for... November, December, January, for the last three months, I think we almost have 500 streams, which, you know, not big potatoes, but for two dudes making a basement project, like, I'm ecstatic over that, you know what I mean? Like, just, it, I guess, it's more than I thought, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas you release something and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, a few people might like it or, you know, I might be able to get a couple people to listen to it or whatever. But everyone has been super, like, positive about it. They've been giving feedback. Even if someone doesn't like it, it's been nice because they've been like, well, I wasn't my, it wasn't my cup of, but you know, I liked the production or, you know, I liked the drums or something. So it's been really nice to even hear feedback from people, even if it wasn't, you know, their bag or anything. Right. Yeah. I think it's pretty crazy. I mean, when, when I heard it and, and then I didn't realize straight away. So obviously we spoke a little bit about it. Um, and then I shared it with Dave and then Dave's like, dude, did you know they were a two piece? Yeah. And, uh, it absolutely blew my mind. So like, how did that all come to be being a two piece? And I think you mentioned, like, I mean, you're on vocals and guitar, right? Yeah. So basically I do vocals, um, and bass, not at the same time. I'm not nearly that impressive. <laughs> it was several <laughs> times, but, um, and then my buddy does programmed drums and guitar. Basically the two piece, we were a three piece for a while. Um, yeah. and then it kind of just naturally progressed more into a two piece. We kind of it turned out from us kind of hanging out every day writing stuff just going through ideas where i mean just kind of like you know the spaghetti idea right like you have it you throw it against the wall you see if it sticks if it does you go back at it you kind of re-add things i mean it kind of worked out that we were a two-piece for our first release just because we didn't have so much influence to draw on it could really just be our ideas kicking back and forth the only thing obviously with a two-piece right is that it's kind of limited in where your ideas come from. Cause if I'm stuck and my buddy's stuck, then we're both stuck. You know what I mean? And then we have to go kind of get some influence or maybe have someone be like, Hey, you know what I mean? Cool. Maybe add this in there. Maybe you could do something similar to the, what this band is doing. So, I mean, the only issue really is like the ideas, right? It's trying to come up with different things to throw in the songs um, where he's more of the songwriter himself. I'm, I have more of the ideas. It's like he'll bounce an idea off me. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. Or maybe we could do something like this. And then we kind of will build parts of songs. Like every song we have is basically kind of like we'd figure out a part, write the next part, write the next part, go back with Stuart from the beginning, redo a part, redo a part. And that worked out well, where it's just the two of us. Because then we can just be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's do that. And I guess that would be the only good thing about having less members is that there's not as much input so we can kind of go from an idea and then advance that and then continue advancing it and then it's not as like you know if we don't like a part we're not you know being like the three other people like hey you know that part you guys wrote isn't great so it kind of works out as a two-piece but of course like i was mentioning just the sometimes i wouldn't say the lack of input but the lack of ideas if we're both out of ideas that's the only thing that's kind of affecting when you're a two-piece in my opinion, anyway. I mean, some people, obviously, you know, they can be one dude and they can run a band. No issue. But, mm. I mean, me, myself, I started playing bass more in high school. I've always loved music. I've always enjoyed singing and stuff. But as Philip said, this was my first time doing active vocals for a recording. So it was really exciting. And that's also kind of goes back to what you guys are saying. It's nice to hear people enjoy it because when I recorded something, I was like, ah, oh, no, like, is that going to be good? Like people want people to hear that and be like, oh shit. Like, did he just, you know, mess up or something? But like, like I was, Philip was saying, like, it's nice to hear people receiving it positively. Yeah. How'd you go for, uh, hearing yourself like isolated in vocals for the first time? Is that rough? Uh, it was it was a little rough, right? Just because you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you hear yourself, and you're like, just like hearing yourself on any recording, you're like, oh god, is that me? Yeah. But I don't know. It it was also really cool, right? Like to be able to go that low 
or even that long and just be like, oh shit, I made that sound. <laughs> That's sick. So did you guys go to a studio and do it or did you just do it all like DIY? Yeah, DIY. He has he had um, Ableton and a setup in the basement. Yeah. And basically we just ran it through there. I mean, we would have had studio time, but we decided just to keep it as low income as possible, just where we both worked jobs. <coughs> Excuse me. And we both had other things to do. And like I was saying, he was he's actually in Japan right now, so he was trying to save up for Japan, learn Japanese and everything. So it was not to the side, but it it was definitely something that we had to kind of grind towards where there's so much other stuff going on. I mean, it's pretty crazy uh, that that I mean, you, we don't we don't talk to many people who wrote this like a two piece front mm-hmm. to end. Uh, I guess what was the writing process like? How long did it take to write this like EP? Um, <coughs> Were well, there more songs to we make had it? A like, bunch of, yeah, what was that like? We had a bunch of ideas back probably 2020, and we kind of just refined them through 2021, 2022. And then probably at the end of 2022 to 2023, we took the ideas that we had and made sure that they were good enough to actually run with. Mm. And then initially, we only had two songs we thought <clears throat> that we were going to drop, but then we kind of went back to the demos that we had messed around with some of those and really were like well we don't want to not release these just because they're a little rough and um i guess i guess with it all are you guys still writing now i mean obviously with your main the other the other who's the other member sorry what's his name uh his name is brent yeah he's in japan right now so no we're not i mean i'm writing passively you're passively writing so that's that's cool so you're always working on stuff and ableton's a, a word that phil and i have become more and more familiar with um a lot more for like electronic music stuff, but a lot of people use Ableton quite a bit, and it's a really powerful tool by the looks of it. Yeah, I love Ableton. Um, <clears throat> I kind of learned from him just watching, because yep. he actually took audio engineering right. in high, in uh, college. So I've basically just kind of gone with him and kind of went through everything. So I have a basic understanding of Ableton, just so I can like you know write something here and there and it's just ideas but even then right like if you have ideas when he comes back we'll end up writing with them or turning them into something yeah cool so what's the uh what's the music scene like in nova scotia so we're looking at the map and and phil and i were talking about just off just before he jumped on and i thought nova scotia was like north north canada but it's actually really close to the states yeah, it's like right near Maine. Yeah. Hmm. So what's the music what's the scene like there? Yeah. It's pretty strong. Uh, there's a lot of punk and hardcore in Halifax. Um, we do get a fair amount of touring bands here now. Like originally, hmm. I think back 2015, I mean, there was occasionally bands coming here, but now the scene's become so much stronger. We have tons of people from Ontario, Montreal coming here, cancer back actually lives in Halifax now, which is really cool. They opened up their own label, um, Bet Skull Studios, because they love the East Coast so much. And that's something that I think is just absolutely cool, because, I mean, growing up, not a lot of people came here. Like, I mean, back when I was 15, 16, you know, you'd be like, oh, there's a sick, there's a, like, local show, or there's an all-ages show. And it'd be, you know, once every few months and stuff. But now it just seems like there's always bands rolling through here. And it's really nice to see because as much as I love traveling out of province to go see people, it's nice when the province itself actually has enough notoriety. I mean, you know, Cancer Bats loves coming here. Uh, City and Color loves coming here. Like, 
who else, I guess, frequents? Acacia Strain has been here for, uh, frequently. Uh, Knock Loose, every time I die, has been here as well. Like, it's... <laughs> When you're younger, it seems almost like no one comes anywhere. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, no one's coming to Halifax, or Halifax would be the capital of Nova Scotia. And but now right. that I'm older, it seems like there's a lot more room to grow, a lot more room to play shows. Especially now that we're, I mean, I'm only 26, but it seems to me anyway that the music scene here is really growing and really bringing people in. I mean, I don't know. I know for a fact, like the music scene is really strong in Australia, really strong, but. Atlantic Canada, it's become so much stronger. Like we have, I mean, just in Nova Scotia that I can think of right now is like Cypher Sewn Eyes, Sleep Shaker, uh, Hell's Reach, Frail Hands, Pale Ache, uh, Bone Tower. I mean, there's so many good bands coming out of Nova Scotia right now. And I mean, hopefully, you know, we can be one of them. <laughs> we haven't, I mean, there's no uh, plans for anything live yet, where obviously, like we've talked about, I have to wait for him to come back, and then we actually have to fill out the rest of the band, because it's I mean, right now, just kind of the basement project. But mm. no, I'm happy that the scene itself has gotten stronger, so that whenever we are able to start playing live and stuff, there's going to be enough people around to really appreciate, I think. Yeah. I think it's a it's a it's an interesting story. I feel like there's a lot of similarities between, I guess, where you're from and I know Australia is on the other side of the world, but you know, we lost some festivals for a hot minute there and a lot of international bands stopped coming our way. And then mm-hmm. I kind of there was probably a good five years, Dave, and Dave, you might be able to back me up here, but it felt like when Soundwave kind of died and Big Day Out died, which are two big festivals we had, mm-hmm. there wasn't a heap of international bands touring. So it felt like the local talent got a lot more love. Because that was really what we had. And mm-hmm. now you got all the Aussie bands kind of going global. It feels like it's a bit of a result, a product of, of, of that. But yeah. 100%, especially in Australia. I mean, you guys, something must be in the water. You know, like there are so many bands coming out of Australia that just blow the scene away. And it's, I mean, it is kind of nice, like you said, to have a, that resolve, right? Where the local bands become the focus and then those bands kind of blow up, right? And then you can... You know, like, I remember seeing Justice for the Damned, like, kind of just being stuck around um, Australia for a bit, and then, like, they blew up, and now mm. they're just, they are touring everywhere. Yeah. Same with, I mean, <clears throat> I think Kurt Sturth would have had that same trajectory if uh, their, them and their vocalist hadn't kind of split ways, right? Like, these local bands, in Australia anyway, they're just, they're so talented, like, so talented. It is crazy to hear, even... um. I don't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, Angel, I believe it is, who plays for Pincer Plus and used to play for Dealer. Mm-hmm. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but I believe Dealer, like even, you know, stuff like that coming out of Australia is mind blowing. I mean, then you have people like Alpha Wolf, right? Like they just announced their newest single with Ice T. Like, you know, that's absolutely crazy. I, yeah. Like, absolutely crazy. Like, who doesn't love Biscuit Core? You know what I mean? Like, that is that is great. <laughs> That's a great song. We've been talking a lot about the, those, that song. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I listened to it. When that photo dropped, we were like, crazy. <laughs> I know, I saw Ice T, and I was like, there is no way. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. I think, uh, I guess what we're keen to know as well, I mean, going back to what you were talking about, those gigs growing up, mm. how, how, did you, how did you personally, I guess, find your way to heavy music or alt music? Ooh, so that would have probably been about middle school. I remember there's a channel here on television called Much TV, and it was basically just kind of like music videos and stuff like that. 
And I remember seeing Born and Raised by Alexis on Fire on TV, and I was just enamored by it. Enamored by it. I was like, what is this? And, like, I was listening to, like, um, like asking Alexandria and stuff like that beforehand. But hearing that kind of kickstarted that for me. And then from that, I kind of went into harder stuff, like more of the Christian metal, right? Like August Burns Red and Devil Wears Prada and stuff like that. And kind of yeah. continued going down. And eventually, I guess I got to the point where I am now, which is, you know, grindcore and uh, <laughs> metallic <laughs> hardcore metal and stuff like that. But like, I mean, even to the day, I still appreciate Alexis on Fire. And I listen to them pretty frequently. And I think they and who else them and august burns red when i was younger really influenced me to kind of get into the genre more i mean even learning that august burns red was like 15 or something like that when they wrote their first record like mind-blowing kind of gave me a little bit of hope being 26 that you know it's <laughs> it's not too late or anything right <laughs> that's true alexis so far like the badge wearers in heavy music for for canada i think like people say mm -hmm. Canada, you'd think Alexis on Fire, then City in Color, then like August mm -hmm. Red, and then Counterparts, based Counterparts. Counterparts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, they, I just love them so much. They're my top five of all time. Oh, 100%. And I mean, even with like Counterparts, I was obsessed with that band for the longest time. Like, I even have uh, the difference between Hell and Ho tattooed on my back. Like, it's, uh, oh, it was obsessive. Like, I, it's, it's hard to be into metal as a Canadian and not love counterparts or not be influenced by counterparts, right? Like, mm. I think it's pretty cool as well. Cause I mean, we, Dave and I, we talk all the time about, um, especially Alexis on Fire, because we feel that their biggest not yet, like, we talk about bands making it in America. But Alexis on Five had this great success, especially in Canada, but then in Australia. And it feels like they're here every other year, in a way. Um, and I, I, I don't think I there's a lot that. of... Yeah, there's not a lot of international bands, especially like from Canada, that I think come here that much. I know the only other band I see that's in Australia that much is probably Kublai. Like, they seem to, like, love going to Australia. But yeah, it's I mean, also nice, though. Like you said, that's the way... What, sorry? Yeah, Kublai have been here like twice in the last year, um, which is a yeah, lot more like than crazy. That is crazy, and that well, and same thing with uh, AOF. Like you guys were saying, it's nice that they're willing to do that, right? Like, because I mean, after COVID, it seemed like so many bands just kind of stopped touring, or they stopped going international and stuff. It is nice to kind of see that returning, because I mean, even here, like we have a lot of Canadian bands coming around, but I haven't seen a lot of American bands coming through. I mean, like, yeah. you know, Death from Above 1979, I believe, is coming to Halifax pretty soon. But, like, that's the first one I've seen in a long time that isn't Canadian or isn't, like, super close to the border. Yeah. Yeah, damn. Um, and obviously, I mean, Steve, we kind of met through Instagram. You're obviously a bit of a vinyl head yourself. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. We didn't ask about that because Dave <laughs> and I are big, big vinyl heads as well. Um, what? When did you go down that rabbit hole? Uh, and, and when did you oh, wish you could? Man. <laughs> so I remember hearing, I think back in like 2013, 2013, that Bruce Willis had a uh, iTunes library he was trying to gift to his children when he passed away. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I remember hearing Apple retorting to that with well you don't actually own the music you're just licensing it from our library so you can't give that to anyone 
And I remember thinking like, well, that's some bull. So I was like, hmm, I think I want to own my physical media. And I remember just going on to the Victory Records website when they still sold like Silverstein and Counterparts Records. And I just bought whatever I could right off the bat. I think so 2014. And then it was kind of just passive collecting for like four or five years. And then like one day I just woke up and I was like, man, I need all of these records on wax. And it's been a pretty expensive journey, yep. but I gotta say, like, I'm happy. Like, I I love it. You know, I love helping the bands. I love supporting the bands. I mean, the only new clothes I buy is band merch. You know what I mean? Like, there's, I guess for me anyway, mm. owning the items and having them is great, but supporting the artists and you know giving them a bit of that hard-earned cash really is important because i mean i'd want someone to do the same for me if i was in the band right like i know not the profit margins aren't huge on that stuff but i mean every anything helps you know especially if you're living to tour i know a Mm -hmm. lot of bands rely on the money they make from the merch to you know go tour get visas go across states go across countries and stuff like that so i mean Besides just the, you know, oh, I own that on vinyl. It's also nice to just be able to support others in that way, too. But, I mean, I think I'm sitting at, like, 214, so not a whole, you know, not a gigantic amount, but definitely enough to be like, yo, that dude's a, that dude's a fucking nerd. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that with the, the merch. Um, some I read somewhere that, like, the profits from a T-shirt is, like, more than a 1,000 streams on Spotify. Like, so like the big difference is like buy a shirt if you can buy a record if you want but like shirts make a big difference it's kind of sad to see how much streams you you need to even make you know the dollar right like it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous i mean as as you said you can buy a shirt or you could listen to one of their songs a thousand times or you know something like that right so no i, I definitely agree i mean even I see you have your consoles filled to the brim, so I'm already on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I got like t- close to 300 in 2022, yeah. something like that. So, <laughs> slowing down now for the, the post COVID bubble, but um, yeah, I'm really. I know the post more like pissed about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, should we move? Oh, do you have a. What's your what's your favorite record in your collection? Ooh, I'd probably have to go with uh, the Death Card by Sworn In. I know it's kind of a normy answer, but ooh, buddy, I mean that that album in and of itself is one of my favorites. Just that downbeat sound that I've always loved. I mean, them and my other one would probably be uh, Skeleton Youth Forever by Villain Slash Youth Forever. I don't know if you guys have listened to them or not, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're fantastic band it was a kind of it's a defunct downbeat project from back in the 2000s late 2000s rather and it's just one of those records where like you know you see it once this morning death card you know you see it once in a blue moon being sold for like you know 500 dollars and such and i found one for like 200 dollars and i was like ah that's pretty expensive but he lowered it and he offered free shipping and it happened to be signed when it showed up so i was like you know what i'll take it that's a win. a win. A win is a win. A win is a win. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll uh, we'll move into the playlist now. So, do you want to explain the theme of the the songs you've sent through to us, or the, the inspiration? Yeah, so a little bit. Basically, from the songs that I the songs that I sent in, 
the not loose ones were picked by my friend. Those ones, obviously, it's, it's hard to not be influenced by not loose. I mean, listening to Laugh Tracks back in 2016 and whenever that came out, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. And I mean, it's still, Knock Loose definitely influenced us, regardless of if we're like, yeah, that was, you know, that was from Knock Loose or whatever. But, like, they definitely do influence us. Um, like, that heavy, chaotic, you know, open-stringed sound that they do a lot, we do some of that in our music as well. Uh, the Justice for the Damned, for sure, I I love uh, Bobak's like, vocal style. So, I mean, I tried... I tried to copy some of the cadence that he has. Obviously, I cannot do it nearly as good as he can, but his vocal style has always been something I've like admired. And just the way he goes about, I guess, he, I wouldn't say singing, but like just the melodies he does with his screams are absolutely mm-hmm. crazy. And I mean, same with uh, the Acacia stream, uh, Solace and Serenity. That was one I listened to a lot. Mm-hmm. Like In general, the Acacia stream is just something that I've, I draw a lot of influence from. Um, like Vince's vocal style and kind of their the behemoth of sound that they have with their rhythm section is something that I really like. So it's like there are our drums and our bass are kind of like that in a way that we like them to play very booming over the guitars. So like mm. Acacia has always been a really big influence. Yeah, uh, the cool. only other thing with like obviously with Acacia Strain, like I mean they're just they're so volatile. You can't really copy what they're doing. Yeah. But, I mean, even on the end of, say, a scapegoat, I kind of tried to copy his uh, highs, where I've been listening to Step Into the Light so much. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. And it came out already. It was the first time I ever tried like a high scream that didn't sound terrible. So I was pretty happy about that. Mm. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about the Acacia Strain, because that's the first one going in. Um, mm. I saw them like last last week and they're incredible live absolutely incredible it's like the heaviest cleanest chaos that i've ever seen mm-hmm. i think and he's just um vince did a really good speech about you're like everyone's included this is the place where you can be the weirdo and all that kind of stuff it really struck a tone with me because like like we're all not the the jocks or the chads or whatever but we're um mm-hmm. It was really cool to be acknowledged because you see these big bands and they come out and they're like, yeah, hey, Melbourne, thanks for, thanks for coming. It was like a Wednesday night and he's like, like was really, seemed really genuinely appreciative of, of people filling the room. And um, you don't really see that from a band of that size very often. But, um, yeah, re- Decay's really cool. That's awesome that, like, just the inclusivity of the show. And like you said, I mean, Wednesday night, right? Like, people probably have to work the next day, and the show probably goes to, like, 10 or 11, right? So, mm-hmm. I know, but that is awesome. Like, especially, I mean, they've been touring, and they've been around the world, like, a few times. So, to still have that appreciation, that's that's what's up. Yeah. Especially, I mean, mm-hmm. especially having to go all the way across the world. I think they're from New York. Or no, they're not from New York. But they are from the East Coast of America. So, it's like, like you said, that's really nice that they'll come through they care enough to play the show well and then like you know like i said everyone's included it's not just like yeah i mean if you guys want to you know the pit dudes you're cool everybody else just go stand with your arms crossed at the back (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. they're really cool and they even shouted out a band that wasn't even on the bill like a local band called terminal sleep and they were like oh yeah Mm -hmm. go and see terminal sleep 
you hear this song, you know what I'm talking about. And he's like, just really cool, like really connected to the bands that he that were on the bill as well. So, yeah, so good to see. And they, they seem like they bring a lot of newer bands, or at least bands who don't have a lot of traction in other countries with them. You know what I mean? Like they seem to bring a lot of bands with them, or they like to hype up a lot of bands. Yeah, well, they had like um, I know they had Dying Wish with them, who were kind of pretty new in the scene. Wouldn't have been that big in Australia, mm. but really, yeah, bought them out, which was awesome. Mm. Even they had Volatile Ways as a permanent local spot on on all the mm. dates. And you find a lot of bands, especially coming here, they won't do that. And they'll just pick a few bands in each city. But the fact that they actually got Volatile Ways to tour with them um, was sick. Like, I love that. And that was the whole time, right? Like, they were with them the yeah. whole run? Yeah. 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 That's, that's awesome. Especially, I mean, Volatile, I know Volatile Ways isn't, like, super new or anything. But that's awesome that they're bringing bands like that around. Because I know they just dropped Compendium yep. not yeah. too long ago. And that seems to be doing really well. Like, really, really well. Yeah, well, Vince yeah. also said, he goes, you can thank Volatile Ways because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here because all I want to do is play shows with them. I was like, that's hey, so cool. <laughs> Dude, it, it, like you said, that's amazing that he's showing that appreciation because like, Volatile Ways is probably like, holy shit, like the Acacia Strain. And then the Acacia Strain is like, yo, Volatile Ways. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's a fun yeah. juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll queue up uh, the Acacia Strain, Solace and Serenity, and then we'll... Uh, another one and then we'll see you on the other side of the break sounds good buddy
lucid dream. Solace and Serenity by the Acacia Strain, followed by World of Deceit by Extortionist. Uh, talk to us about picking that track. Extortionist has been one of my, I guess you would say, biggest bands, just in part of influence and enjoyment. I mean, I've been listening to Extortionist since The Decline came out. And something about that band, it just it hits, hits all the boxes for me. Um, ben Hoagland's voice in particular, like his lows are absolutely crazy. I kind, I tried to go with the cadence of his lows using kind of his, that like, I don't know how you describe it, but it almost sounds like he's, he's opening his throat so much that it's going much lower than what it really sounds. And it's such a cool vocal technique because like, if I don't know how much you guys listen to Extortionist or not, but 
his vocals vocals are absolutely immaculate and that's something i try you know i tried to kind of copy like i said the cadence of how he screams just by going over some of the songs and stuff but i mean even then he just he's just so talented and the band it's, themselves are also so talented it's kind of hard to to not draw influence from them um mm. world of deceit is definitely my favorite song by extortionist um just the groove in that they have in that band and especially their bassist kip like definitely definitely my biggest influence would be their bassist uh the groove they have in that band is something that we tried to emulate like just with the breakdowns and with some of the heavier parts and i mean the even since the beginning, I could always be like, oh, you know, I want to try to make this sound like uh, an extortionist song. Or, oh, man, I kind of want to have, like, a breakdown like they do in this extortionist song. So, I mean, they've always been in the back of my mind as an influence. So it was definitely one of the bands I'd have to choose that was part of making this band who they are. Yeah, nice. This is, I think... Um, oh, you go down. I haven't actually heard of extortionist before, um, before this playlist. So I was, like, a bit blown away that I hadn't actually heard, heard of them before because i've got a decent listening account on on spotify and mm-hmm. really like really big sound and yeah it was oh, it's a great track so heavy i mean in general like whenever i listen to them like they it's hard to explain but like they fill the room you know what i mean like sometimes you listen to a mix and it might sound a little flat or it might sound like you know one thing is really low and everything's really high but the entire thing for them just sounds ridiculously fat and their snare is like the most disgusting thing. <laughs> we tried to we tried to copy that, but there's just no way. Like they must use like an old beer keg or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Different. I did send this to Dave, being yeah, like, you know, in our mates, being like, this this song I don't, I don't. is fucking like wow. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the punchiest yeah. song. Yeah, I did want to ask, and this might be a bit of a. a this might allude to the track we'll play next because we kind of spoke before about Justice uh, for the mm. band. But, I mean, I'm curious to know, you spoke about um, you trying to kind of mirror screaming um, like the, the the vocals on Extortionist mm. and a little bit like Justice for the Damned. I'm currently trying to learn how to scream, not for a band, but I just want to actually be able to do mic grabs properly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, well, I would, I'm keen to know, like, how did you, I mean, first time vocalists, like really in public, did you used to scream in your own time and just for fun? And then you just thought, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Or did yeah, you really so work hard at trying to like mirror something? It's a bit of both. Cause originally we had a vocalist um, right. to work with us and then it just, it kind of just didn't work out. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll take over vocals. There's no point in, you know, trying to find a third person if we can do this by ourselves. And like, I screamed, like you said, kind of in my spare time, just whenever, you know, in the car, on the way to college, you know, whenever I had time, whatever. And then when that opportunity came up, I was like, well, I had just gone through a breakup and everything. So I was like, you know, this is a perfect time to be able to channel some aggression. And I just, I remember looking up a few videos like a week or so before and then kind of just practicing like the different techniques and stuff in the car. And then we, we banged out all the scratch tracks in a day, just like, just to get the vocals down. Like they weren't like great or anything, but Mm. I was listening to some of the songs and trying to try to capture some of, like I said before, the, the cadence of their screaming and stuff. And I would go in and try to, like, just find what's most comfortable. Because, I mean, naturally, you're going to try to want to, like, go all out, right? Like, you know, you'd want to be like... <laughs> but for me, anyway, and like you said, where you're trying to start finding that happy middle ground and then kind of taking steps from there. 
know what I mean? Like finding your yelling voice and then on the yelling voice you kind of add more screaming and then you kind of add more screaming and then eventually you'll be able to you know do the full sentences in that way and everything and obviously breathing techniques are super important because i mean when i first started i was not breathing as much from the diaphragm so i was running out of breath like all the time and i was like oh man i didn't grab that or oh man i ran out of breath when i was doing that and i find listening to the vocalists too and listening to their like their breaths like when they're taking breaths or breaks when they're screaming is super helpful because i mean like i was saying like you kind of initially you just want to go ham right because you want to hear yourself screaming and everything but a lot of the times it's not going to sound great because i mean it's not in your register right just like with uh singing i don't really know all the terminology for it but you know if you're a soprano and you're trying to sing like falsetto like obviously you know you're not going to do a good job if I tried to go in and do extremely low lows, like say Vince, every single bar of the song, like I, you know, my vocal cords would have just given up. So, I mean, the biggest thing, I guess, would also be breathing. Mm. You know, like a lot of people talk about, you know, different tips and tricks and stuff and running out of air when you're screaming. And as a first time, I guess, as a first time screamer, that was something I definitely ran into a lot was like running out of breath because I was like, oh shit, I can't knock that whole sentence out or like, ooh, I have to break up this word into three syllables to be like, you know, compendium, something like that. You know what I mean? Like kind of giving myself room to breathe in between things because of definitely, I mean, even though the songs aren't super taxing, even for a first time vocalist, I mean, it takes some practice, right? Like I've had to practice those songs in the car still just to make sure like I have the timing or I have the breath work down and stuff like that. Yeah, damn. Well, it sounds like you're taking it pretty seriously considering I mean, you, I, you're a bassist, right? That's crazy. <laughs> I, do, I do my best. I mean, you know, I unfortunately I had to actually leave my job due to my back. I know we talked a little bit about this before, but uh, yeah. it's given me more time to kind of focus on music and stuff, which, you know, is, is nice, but uh, definitely more time to practice screaming because I mean, no matter how much I feel like I have it down, I know when I go to play it live, I'm gonna do it differently, or I'm gonna, you know, scream a note a little bit longer, or a little bit different than how I did it recorded, or etc. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Then if you start to play live, you got to factor like moving around the stage and mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. stuff as well, which. <laughs> Exactly, right? Like, you make a big step, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> so exactly. I mean, these songs might sound completely different live, because like you said, you know, if I'm moving around and, you know, jumping or doing whatever, like, if I don't get a certain, you know, deep enough breath or something, a line might sound different than how it did recorded and everything. And That was important for us, too, is to make things so that it's going to sound good when it's played live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't, we don't want to have, like, the backing track the entire time right like we want to be able to play it and have all members be able to play it and sound coherent instead of just being like yeah we have our drums programmed in the back uh, the screaming's in the back we're just you know what i mean yeah. we want to sound more authentic when we play it live right yeah a really cool technique i remember hearing about was jeff rickley from thursday i don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. seen many of their shows but he actually oh. wears a jacket at the start of his show so he doesn't blow out so he wears his jacket and actually it's like a mental blocker for him to keep it together. And he takes it off further in the show once he gets more comfortable Comfortable because he's blown out his uh, voice in the show sometimes. So it's like a thing. So he's wearing his jacket to, to keep himself centered and in the moment. Then he kind of lets it go a little bit further later in the gig. So it might be Probably when he's all warmed up and such, right? Yeah. yeah. 
No, I mean, and, and that's that's genius because I mean that's something I worry about too when playing live. It's like you know when you go to do something, like you know, go to the end, the first two songs are like the best two. That's also something I can worry about too being a first set vocalist. It's like how the voice will hold up and everything, right? But I mean, I guess you know, you burn that bridge when you cross it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um. Well, then I guess the next track we'll load up um, soon is Pain is Power by Justice for the Dam. So Aussie, Aussie coverage on, on, on the playlist. Um, Aussie coverage, baby. Uh, talk to us about Justice. I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about the vocals there, but like, talk to us about Justice and your relationship with that, them. Oh, man. I, Pain's Power, I, I listened to them even before that, but when Pain is Power came out, something about that album just stuck with me so hard. And I mean, maybe it might have just been the title, but I've I've been going through really bad uh, back pain now for four or five years. And listening to the album and kind of listening to the lyrics, they really stuck with me. I mean, even if they're not about Mm -hmm. physical pain, like it related to physical pain. So it was kind of... It's kind of cool to hear someone talk about, you know, take that pain, turn it into something else other than just suffering or sorrow or more pain. It was, you know, take that pain, turn it into greatness. And I mean, even though I can't really emulate what they do on record at all, because I mean, they're just, they're ridiculously talented. But that, that mentality and that kind of influence, I guess you would say, has stuck with me the whole time. I mean, I listened to Justice a pretty decent amount. Same with Cursed Earth. And I mean, I don't know, I guess you could say they were definitely influential to how I feel when I scream. Just where, mm-hmm. as I was saying, it's 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 nice to have in the back of your mind, like, other people kind of tell you that what you're doing is okay. And that, you know, you're not defeated because, like, especially being in pain all the time, you're kind of like, man, I can't do this. Like, this isn't going to work out well. You're like, oh, this is going to hurt so much. But... Mm listening to that album and kind of gaining confidence from it definitely gave me the drive to want to scream. I think they've done it right. Like, I mean, we talk a lot about, um, like Polaris is probably one of the most recent ones that I think did a really good job of touring a heap overseas and then dropping a massive record. I feel like justice is going that same route where, They've been touring all over Europe, all over the, uh, America with, with a bunch of different bands. Um, every like They came back here and played some of the biggest shows I've ever seen them play. Um, so like right before, or right when Pain Is Power came out, uh, right before COVID kind of hit, they were playing Tiny Rooms. And then I saw them up here in Sydney play a theater, um, sell it out. It was crazy. Um, so I feel like they're growing. I think they... Uh, they're just doing it. They're just doing doing it slowly, uh, which I think is good. Um, 
and I'm hoping that when they do launch their next record, it, it's going to be big. Um, well, let's load up Painty's Power. Um, and we've got some bangers in, uh, in, the, in the playlist soon. But uh, yeah, we'll see you on the other side. I drink it, Yeah! 
So at the top, we had Justice for the Dam, Pain is Power. And then after that, we had Knock Loose with God Knows. So tell us about Knock Loose. We uh, had a little bit of a chat earlier, but let's talk about these particular songs because uh, these are these are the songs that kind of got me onto Knock Loose. So I, I like this more dynamic sound. Yeah, um, with the Knock Loose sound, I mean, it's hard to not be influenced by them, right? Like, they were one of those hardcore bands that really, for me anyway, flipped the whole formula on its head. I listened to a lot of hardcore before, but I really started to like their brand of kind of like metallic hardcore a lot more. And I mean, you know, you listen to songs like Counting Worms or The Rain, and you can you can definitely hear the influence in our music. Like, their, the chords that they use and the notes that they use. Oh, excuse me. And everything like that. I mean, they're just, they're very pivotal, like, regardless of how people talk about them nowadays, where they're so famous, like, you know, I know they're playing Coachella, but like, they're still influential. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, their sound, like, like you said, I mean, that whole EP in and of itself was just absolutely spectacular. And the atmosphere of the whole thing, and definitely inspired Brent. I mean, he, uh, as we've mentioned before, he's the lead writer of the group, and so I mean, you know, when he gets ideas from this stuff, we kind of run and roll with it. And Knock Loose was definitely one that I know he probably picked from a fair amount. Where just where they have so much like, what what would I say? There's so much inspiration you can draw from them, right? Like they have so much cool and unique things, and I mean, even you know, even in their breakdowns. Which, you know, you could be like, oh, well, those are just, you know, four notes or whatever. But, like, they play them in certain ways that it just sounds so fresh. And even if they play it for a minute, you don't notice it, right? Because of how they're playing it or because of how Brian or Isaac are doing their vocals in the background and stuff. And, I mean, we tried to kind of emulate that heaviness as well in our music. Um, they're, like, it's kind of interspersed with spots that are kind of silent planet Like, we have different spots where it's not as hardcore but more kind of metalcore-ish you know what i mean Mm. so it's like we try to copy the heaviness from bands that we really enjoy but intersperse it with things that he enjoys kind of like uh i know i said silent planet but i guess that would be the best uh the best person to talk about there would be like just kind of their not prog but their kind of (laughs) i twinkly metalcore you know what i mean like it's very it's a very pretty sound they do a really good job of messing around with chords and like interspersing heavy bits with atmosphere with lighter bits and so with knocked loose they also i find they have a a great mix of that like you listen to a song it's not just like you know how ignorant or heavy can we make this it's how like how impactful can we make this and it's like you listen to those songs and you're just like holy crap so i mean we were all blown away when we first heard it and it was definitely influential to how the ep came out yeah. I kind of love how you talked about, yes, Knockley's know how to write a breakdown, but it's what happens outside of that as well. Because uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what I, what I see is that, I mean, there's a lot of hardcore out there, a lot of very breakdown-centric stuff as well. 
Um, but I think what makes Knockley so good is, yeah, what they do outside of it. And I think uh, the breakdowns are great, but you almost go back and like, oh, fuck, play that minute before the breakdown because that's just as, yep. like, you know, and I felt like when you sent through, I guess, the EP and then you sent through these songs, I actually kind of got the knock loose ones the most yeah. because you can feel that kind of beat down, hardcore kind of heaviness. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But then it's also got that, like you said, other elements that I think, um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, like you know, it something sound amazing, ignorantly heavy, right? Like, like you said, if it's breakdown centered, some things work out really well. But when you make interesting things around the song, like what you were saying with what Knock Loose does, I, it keeps the attention, right? Like, I mean, as much as I do love, you know, Booga Booga Caveman stuff, it's nice to be able to listen to something and be like, oh man, there's layers, like there's Shrek type of layers to this right now. Like, there's this is an onion of a song, right? Like, <laughs> It's really interesting because you just kind of explained it how Phil's been trying to explain it to me for so long. Because I literally liked from the EP. I've been trying hard. I've been trying real hard, but you got there. Yeah, I have. I've gotten there. Um, But yeah, it is that stuff outside of those. You may just ignorantly, I did hear chug, 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 chug for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. like, all of a sudden you try hard enough and it clicks. And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's actually these other bits going on. He's mm-hmm. kind of persevere sometimes. Sometimes it, it pops up really quickly, but yeah, I can definitely hear the correlation between you guys as well. And I was trying to talk to talk to Phil before we jumped on, trying to describe what you who you guys kind of sound like. And I and Phil said he goes, "I love that you guys are just Nova Scotia heavy. So you're not in a box. You just." your own thing and that's so cool because it's um it, it really perfectly describes you guys oh that's awesome i mean that's the thing right like i didn't really know where we would fall right between like you know metalcore hardcore etc and like you said there's no point in trying to kind of box it right because if you just mm-hmm. give you know if you go hardcore and then you release kind of like you know I guess it, I guess it's not really that different, but you know, you go hardcore and you release like a metalcore song. And your fan base is like, what? What? What is this? Yeah. But you know, if you just go with heavy, you can kind of throw in whatever you want, and you're like, wow, it's just a heavy band. Yeah. Well, you know, we're just a couple, just a couple guys playing heavy music. You know, but that is something I tried to keep in mind too. Is like, you know, we're not just trying to do like downtuned open notes over and over and over again. Because you know, not that it doesn't sound good but with what just definitely with what phil said like we like to add things around breakdowns we don't like to make it just kind of monochromatic you know like we try to add different things to different sounds and i really appreciate that you guys were uh, <laughs> that you were trying to figure out what we sound like because i mean even i do that now i'm like man who do we sound the most like because i mean obviously you want to have someone who you're like yeah if you like you know knock loose or if you like this listen to us right like so that's that's awesome <laughs> it's good if you go to range because if you like yeah, if you like Knock Loose or if you like Incendiary, you can hear a little bit of that in it and like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you, you've got a broad spectrum of, of genres to pick from. So it's even better than being like, if you just like this pocket of three mm-hmm. bands, you'll like us. If you like these 15 mm-hmm. bands, you'll like us, which is a great, great thing to have. And yeah, it's kind of better to be broad in that aspect, like what you were saying, right? Because I mean, yeah. Listening to heavy, like when I, I guess I was the most impressionable listening to heavy music. I mean, for me, it was like North Lane and Vent Animate, um, you know, August Burns Red and stuff like that. So it's like even that stuff, that's not really what we wrote, but it still influenced us, right? But I mean, 
I love atmospheric parts from music like that. So it's like we tried to include atmospheric parts in our music that are similar to that, right? Just to draw that emotion and everything. And I mean, you know, the first words off the EP, I can't fucking breathe. It kind of sets the tone for the whole thing, right? Because the EP itself, it's it's about emotional pain and physical pain where like the angel on the front kind of represents like the death of something, either that be a relationship, a moment, a period in time, etc. Yeah, nice. Uh, did you guys do the artwork yourself or did you outsource that? Because I did like that I did one. it in like five minutes. We, we had one and then I was like, oh, you know, I think I want to do something different. And I just hopped, actually, believe it or not, I hopped on Canva and I just made something in like two minutes. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? That looks good. I think we're going to run with that. I love Canva. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is versatile, you know, especially if you're broke and you're trying to start something. It, it's amazing. <laughs> That's mad. It's funny. We were talking to a couple of friends and they're, they're in a band. They're like, you guys making money? And we're like, they're like no. And they look at us. He goes, you guys making money? And we're like, no. <laughs> this is a labor of love. So we're, we're all about the DIY. So we're, we're trying to do everything we can to not spend a lot of money on this, like within yeah. reason. But um, yeah, but we love the DIY ethos. Well, and I mean, how how can you afford to go the other way unless you have like that nest egg, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah, you can market to a thousand people if you have the money. But I mean, like you like what you guys are doing through word of mouth and Instagram marketing, like I, you know, that's perfect, right? Like you're collecting your local scene, like that house show I saw you guys have that looked packed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that is that's awesome. Like that is fucking awesome. That was so cool. Yeah. The DIY thing too. I mean, almost everything we've done has just been me and him. I mean, this just, I mean, it breaks down to not having the money. I know it's, it's kind of funny, but it, you know, it worked out, right? Because the DIY, like you said, the DIY pathos kind of just, you get it all done yourself and you don't have to worry about it. I mean, the music itself is up on DistroKid, so it's not with a label or anything. We just put it out through that. And I mean, the only thing that was outsourced to anyone else was the logo that was done by my friend Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, well, I mean, that kind of brings us to the last one, which is also a Nokwu song. Mm. Um, and Permanent, I think it's a fitting way to kind of end, I guess, the, the mixtape being the closer of that EP as well. It's a great song. Incredible song. I've been meaning to ask, because we actually haven't spoken about this on the pod before, Dave. Mm. Um, I know that I've been on your ass about Nokwu's for a while. Um, what, what was it, was there, a, was it just the EP just clicked after one day or was it just, what happened? I tried with, uh, the different, a different shade of blue and then the EP came out and it just hit me differently. I don't know why. And then I kind of listened to that more than anything else. And I really liked the two, the mm. two tracks that they put, put out, the long lost, the upon lost singles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then I've gone back again with like fresh ears, I guess. And kind of really like listened a bit closely, I guess. The last couple right. of times I've I listened to it, I was like driving or distracted, so I, I took the time mm-hmm. to kind of take it in as much as I could. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense though, right? Like you kind of, if certain albums get hyped up so much, then you kind of you just don't listen to them. You're like, ah, well, you know, like everyone loves it. Like I'll just I'll listen to it whenever. Mm-hmm. And then like you hear something like that EP, which might not. Because, I mean, like, you know, you saw laugh tracks everywhere. 
everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw the EP sometimes, but I didn't see it a whole lot. But I do agree, out of their work, I think that one is definitely the most impactful, especially with the visual. I don't know if you saw the visual with that or not. But, oh, yeah, incredible. Oh, my goodness. I thought it was genius how they turned it into like kind of a, a short story. You know what I mean? To go with yeah. the EP, that was beyond crazy. Genius, genius, genius. Yeah, they did yeah. that really well. Uh, so tell us about Permanent um, and how does it differ to the influence to God Knows, if it does. Believe it or not, it doesn't differ too much from influence. <laughs> I know that's not the most perfect <laughs> answer, but I mean, just that that perfect balance of heaviness and emotional drive. Like, we wanted to kind of capture that in our sound as well. And, I mean, there's certain parts of the EP where, like, I draw on kind of that. There's something in that EP. There's almost like a, uh, an, an agony happening. Like, it feels like it was almost built off of something. And I kind of also took that and I would <laughs> I would think of, me like, some of the stuff that happened to me while I was recording to get out certain feelings or thoughts. Like, as I was saying, I went through a... A breakup while I was recording this so I kind of channeled some of that aggression and some of that you know anger and sadness into screaming and I channeled that into the EP and I would listen to Knocked Loose EP and I was like man like it's it's a perfect medium to be able to get out how you're feeling in a perfect way and that EP like you guys were saying it kind of encapsulates a whole feeling and a whole a whole vibe of kind of agony and suffering and i kind of wanted to bring that to our ep as well i mean obviously ours is a little bit less about an overall feeling of sorrow and more just interspersed with moments of that but Mm. that ep in and of itself we really did want to copy kind of not copy i guess but i mean whatever word would you use be influenced by (laughs) their their feelings of aggression and what they put into that we we try to do the same thing in ours. And I mean, I think it worked out pretty well, but you know, time will tell, right? For sure. That's a great explanation. I mean, I can feel it. I mean, you, we can feel it. And I think it's just that atmosphere. I mean, use that word before the atmosphere of the, your EP. And I guess you can kind of feel that, just that feeling of something. It's not just about, you know, what the instruments are doing. It's around just the, the, the eeriness of it. And uh, I think, um, oh, I can, as you talk through it, it just it just clicks in my head. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, all the lyrics. I mean, I I've I've written poetry for years and stuff, and I I had a bunch of like notes in my phone. And I was like, maybe maybe some of these could work as songs, and I would like go through and kind of change feelings to how I felt currently, or like you know, might mix with some words to make them kind of flow more and stuff like that. And I tried to not make it like just you know, this listen to my uh, depression tape. You know what I mean? It was more of like. <laughs> Hopefully someone can connect with this. Hopefully someone can understand. I mean, obviously, I mean, every artist wants that, but hopefully someone can understand that they're not going through something alone. You know, in one of our songs, I talk about uh, basically being bitter. It's a hard habit to, to break because it is, right? Getting out of a mindset where you're thinking a certain way about something for so long and you're stuck on your ways and you have to really get out of that negative mindset. And that's something I touch on on there too because, I mean, it's although it's good for metal (laughs) being angry you know being angry in general of course it's not good right and i mean that's something i touch on on the ep as well that regardless of how i'm feeling i mean life is good there are good things to life and you know i know the ep is more centered around pain and sorrow and sadness but i mean loss isn't everything right and there is some of that in the ep as well moments where i kind of juxtapose the 
oh no, I'm alone, to the it will be okay, life will continue aspect. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because it's always over. Loss is a path to, exactly. to sometimes feeling better, sometimes feeling worse, but yeah, it's a good... Exactly. I mean, doing the EP, you know, it made me feel better. Right, like having something where I'm like, you know, hopefully someone could connect with this, or you know, throwing that uh, that lifeline out and being like, oh man, people are feeling it, people understand, people are connecting. It's it's really nice, like it's really important too. Like, it was really touching to see people message me and be like, yo, like these songs are really good. Like, holy crap! Like, you know, the lyrics in this one was X or Y, and you know, the lyrics in this one was X and Y. And it's like, man, oh my goodness, like that is amazing. Like. Thank you so yeah. much. Like I've had a couple people reach out and tell me that, and it's just it's just it's touching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not not like in any means we're some big band or anything, but like even just having people reach out and message us that it's like it's absolutely mind blowing. Just mm. mind blowing. That's really cool. Well, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, I mean we're at the end of the playlist, but I mean the EP is heavy. It, it, everything you've kind of said, this has been good. I think like I was going to say it before, but I'll say it now the five songs you've brought, you don't sound like any of them, but at the same time, there are elements of all of these songs that you can feel in it. And I think, yeah. you know, if you're talking to people about, you know, for fans of and things like that, I kind of think don't expect any of these bands, but like expect elements of it. It will be familiar in some ways. And I think you've, you've balanced it quite well through the EP and the fact that you guys are a two piece and you guys just put them together with, you know, two sets of ideas, like you mentioned, um, by yourself on Ableton, like that's just um It's incredible. It's impressive. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, thank you so much, guys. Like you said, like it's not so much like we sound so much like X band or Y band. It's like you said, it's more like, you know, we take aspects from X or Y band and kind of put our own spin on it or do something like that. Cause I know what you mean. Like it's not like we sound like uh you know extortionist, for example, but like there are parts of them that influence. But thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, is there anything that you want to plug, uh, Instagram pages or, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, if you don't know, follow at Keymaker902, follow TPCP. I mean, that's just a given. Come on now, if you're not, you're lacking. Best down under podcast in general. Let's be real. <laughs> I appreciate it, awesome, man. Dude. We'll, we'll no, plug. I, I, I appreciate yeah, you guys having me on. I appreciate it so much. It meant the absolute world. When Philip messaged me about it, I was like, wait, what? Talk to me? What? <laughs> no, we're absolutely so stoked that you could join. Um, I mean, you, what you're doing is what we love, right? So if any way we can help any any bands of any size, um, that's what we're about. Um, hopefully you guys like, you know, when, when's... Um, when do you think you might eventually play a show? Is that is that like a year away? Is it? Is it yeah, kind of, yeah, I would imagine probably a year or so away. He, I know he's gonna be there for about a year, and then he has to come yeah. back, and then we have to find some members to play live. So I mean, it will be a little bit of an experience, but I mean, I'm I'm just as excited for that. I can't wait to play these songs yeah. live and have people actually connect with it. Yeah, nice. Well, I can't wait to see the, the journey and how it unfolds over over the over the years because um, yeah, you got a good thing going. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate that so much, you guys. Well, thanks, Stephen. We'll um, we'll end it here, and we'll uh, speak to you soon. We'll be watching closely. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on, you guys. I hope you guys have a good night. Enjoy that uh, beautiful rainstorm. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, have a good day. Yeah, <laughs> you guys too. Take care. See you. See man. So, as Stephen, uh, we say goodbye to Stephen. Uh, that was that was great. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, 
lot of insight into music in America, a lot of knowledge in Australian music, actually, more than more than us, some locals. <laughs> <laughs> more than most locals, let's be honest. We talk about this all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a blast. And I can't wait to share. I've kind of been holding on to the link for the EP until we've dropped the episode. So uh, hopefully we can spread the word a little bit and um, get this great EP into people's ears. I just love that. This was our first proper true, I think, DIY. Like just two guys fucking yep. doing whatever they fuck they're doing. Um, and I, it's inspired me a bit, even though I'm never going to make anything to that quality. I just think it's uh, it's great. And um, I just love having those chats. Yeah, it was a ball. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please don't forget to follow, subscribe and leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It helped the show a lot. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.con on both platforms. Uh, keep in mind uh, that we have the press conference podcast, Love Song Dedications in a few weeks. So if you have any recommendations for any of those, please hit us up um, and get involved. Like we're really keen. Um, had a few come through already. So should be maybe a little bit better than last year. We'll see how we go. <laughs> um, and as always, we love the feedback and, and the convos generated by these. So let us know what you think. Do you like Keymaker? Do you like the songs? Um, have you got a DIY two-piece? Come and chat to us. We're, we're keen. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. Enjoy Permanent by Knock Loose, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Yeah!